I love it when you tell me that we're gonna be in movies They make out like it's so hard but there's really nothing to it I love it when you tell me that we're gonna be in movies I don't mind dying if that's how we gotta do it Hello there! How's everyone doing on this fine fall day? It's turning a little chilly in New York, uh, and it's reminded me of when I was back in Los Angeles, which seems maybe a month ago, three weeks? I can't even remember. But during that trip, I talked to my guest today, my good friend, Zappa Records recording artist Holland Greco. Very talented, uh, multi-instrumentalist, beautiful singer, just a really lovely person. I know her from my band, The Strip Miners, where she plays all kinds of instruments and sings and writes and just super cool. HollandGreco.com is the website. She has a new album out right now on Zappa Records. It is half her own songs and half songs of the Misfits with a group that she was in called Murdergram which she will talk all about. Very interesting. It's a super cool album. Also signed to Atlantic Records with uh, her band The Peak Show. Looney Tunes. You check out some Scooby-Doo, you might hear her singing. Uh, she and I have a very long conversation, very long and interesting conversation. So settle back in for this one. Get yourself a cup of coffee. If the leaves are turning cold where you are, light that fire, whatever, get a blanket, and check it out. Or if you're like me, you're, you know, commuting on the subway. Anyway, what's going on? It's fall. It's always super busy. Radishes have a new EP that is coming out on the 15th of October. Uh, I've got a show coming up uh, with my new band, Phantom Fifth, in Brooklyn on October 30th. Another clandestine taxi song almost finished. Just, it's busy, busy, busy. I don't know why in the fall it always seems like stuff is always happening, but it's fun. Good stuff going on. As usual for news and whatnot, please go to paulstinsonmusic.com. You can send me an email at uh, paulstinsonmusic at gmail if you want. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Well, come on. I'm not fooling myself. I don't really do these every week. I sort of do them sporadically. So <laughs> in between everything else that's happening. But anyway, let's get into this particular episode with Holland Greco. Take it away, Holland. Right, let's do it. Now we are actually rolling. 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 Rolling with Holland Greco. Yo. Welcome to Make It Big. <laughs> Thanks. The podcast in which we talk about the meaning of success in the arts, um, in particular, whether it's something we should care about. I sometimes wonder if making art is not its own end, and that trying to think about it in terms of what is successful can really sort of detract from it in a way, or, or distract you from doing it. So... What do you think? Uh, well, I think that it seems like we all have goals. You know, yeah. there are catalysts and reasons that we want to make our art. And so thus success is defined by, I guess, what our goals are. And that can change all the time. I find that that changes for me pretty consistently. Like how, say you're going to write a new song or something or, or, or do whatever. Like what do you think about when you sit down to write 
what the end product, what you, uh, yeah, what you want to see the end product doing. In other words, where it's going to be sold or who's going to be listening to it. Or do you just sit down and say, I'm going to write a cool song that I really like? Mm. Well, I guess it's a little of both and it depends on the day. You know, um, there was a song called Work Sucks and that was just about talking about how work sucks. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And that feels good just to like get out that, yeah. that attitude. Take this job and shove it. Yeah, just to say <laughs> that, to, you know, add music to it and make it rock and then exclaim that feels really good. But there's another side of me for sure that's interested in totally fanciful innovation and, you know, captivating the ears of people who are, are listening to whatever um, I've made you know, for whatever reason. Sometimes I'll write lyrics that I think are clever and interesting and poetic and, like, that's what I'm looking to get across. But, you know, I've been listening recently to a St. Vincent record, this record, Actor. I think it's genius. Mm -hmm. It's really great. And um, it's all about the music for me and the way they mixed it and just really pouring over that. And her lyrics are super cool, too. So, I don't know. I think I'm, you know... I haven't reached some level of commercial success that I'm maybe at some point like uh, was looking for, you know, I'm not a household name at all. Not that I want to be Beyonce or anything like that, but, you know, I still want to reach people and I still want to commune with them musically. And I want to, I would love to be able to perform for people all over the world, you know, and I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Well, and you still are writing and performing and, you know, doing what you do. So is there ever a question like, well, gee, why am I doing this? Or or do you feel that the meaning of success in what you're doing is sort of intrinsic to the process? Well, there's both, you know. There are moments for sure where um, I'm like, okay, let's really look at this pragmatically, like the odds aren't great of right, like right, right, right. <laughs> having some, you know, a big hit. I always wanted to write a big hit pop song. I want to be like in the collective jukebox of, of the world, you know, um, and not just like randomly on SoundCloud or on Spotify, right. like in the, the grand jukebox of like known pop songs. Sure. <laughs> Even if it's not pop, like if it's rock or if it's like, you know, alternative or whatever. Um so yeah, sometimes I'm like, uh, oh, odds aren't great. And like, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle and people are dicks and like, you know, <laughs> it's like growing yeah. older and like, gosh, you know, like, okay, well maybe start a family at some point or like, that's certainly entering my mind as like, Hey, is this a life priority? And how is that going to affect the way, um, I live my life in the future and change the way I've lived up till now? Sure. Um, sure. So there are those things. I mean, sometimes I'm like, this is ridiculous or like, I suck, you know, or like you see somebody great and you're like, ah, nothing. But then on the other end, you're like, wait, I just had a breakthrough and this feels wonderful. And I just wrote something that's important to me and I really want to fill it with the integrity of the best possible recording, the best possible production, and the best possible service to the world, you know? Absolutely. So I guess that's what I I strive to do. I haven't given up yet. I guess I've had enough beginners and interim luck 
that like I'm like, oh no, sometimes I strike it. Like sometimes the iron is is hot, you know, and then sometimes it cools down. So, but I guess we keep going. There's still something in me artistically that I am excavating and looking to purvey, and I haven't made that work yet. Right. And then right. sometimes you make new work, and it feels like that thing like oh yeah wow yeah. this thing just got birthed and it, it's, it's like great. a personal growth thing almost mm. that you know even if it doesn't become in in the universal jukebox <laughs> it's like this is a new thing that i have done that i'm really proud of and happy because it's like something that i didn't think i could do before or whatever and you know and i've achieved it i mean sometimes i think that the the definition of success, at least in music, is achieving what you set out to, what you heard in your head. Yeah. You know, when we're writing, you usually have an idea in your head of of how you want the song to sound, you know, as a recorded piece. And so I feel like if you can get to that point or even exceed that point, then that's step one of success. After that, it's, you know, what the hell do we do with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because talk about a little bit, being an independent musician and independent these days could encompass a really huge range of people. I would say it, it people who aren't being paid by, a, you know, a record company or whoever to go record, they're, they're doing crowdsourcing or they're mm-hmm. just paying for it with credit cards or, or they're doing whatever. I mean, talk about what does it feel like when you're writing a song and you're envisioning, you know, how it could be great in a studio and then you're thinking like, well, how am I going to get there? Do you feel like that affects the kinds of songs you write or how you record? Well, I have, I think I do have confidence in my vision and confidence in what comes out and in presenting material that is interesting and enticing and that you know could be serviced or like deserves some investment I don't know that we can do it all ourselves you know fund it but in the meantime we do that to help maybe an influx of money come in to continue the dream or continue the work really right um I've heard some people say that success is getting to make another one is making another one. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, that means for those people, like, making enough money to make the next one. Sure. Um, Somehow, whether it's your day job or whether you're actually selling CDs or, you know, or something. Yeah. How are you going to do it? Yeah. I mean, being independent, let's see. Well, I was looking, since I do have a regular part-time job that Mm -hmm. I I go to, um, I this year was looking to carve out some time to really write and not just do it on off time and evenings and weekends. So I applied for an artist residency for the first time and um, won a prize uh, after submitting. And that prize was getting to go to Joshua Tree for 30 days to write. And um, that residency is coming up at the top of 2016. So feel like I found another way to create that space. You know, if a record company had signed me after my last record, I would have gotten to like not work for a while and you go and you work on your record and get a couple months to write and then you're in the studio to do it. So, you know, luckily I have that forthcoming um, and I'm hoping that, you know, I'll be able to produce the work that I want to produce during that time. Uh, And then after that, I mean, I plan to be soliciting and showcasing and looking for partners 
because uh, I, I do want a partners. I thought that was a really creative way to sort of, you know, not limit yourself or find other options because I think people can really get stuck in the, well, uh, we're going to make an album. Like the only way to do it is to go into the studio and hire some people. But you thought of this completely different thing, which is an artist residency, you know, and I thought that was really amazing for one, because it's like, yeah, I'm an artist, so I need that. And, you know, finding another sort of, cause it is, they're not going to pay for you to make an album, but it, it is a source of funding where, you know, they pay for you to, to go to there. Be there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you really, it is a dedicated pursuit that you're going to be okay. You know, it seems sort of validating that at least, you know, this is a great opportunity and an option that, you know, I didn't think existed before. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you've been, been looking for those, but I, I thought it was just a really creative way to, to move that process along. Mm, yeah. Thanks. Well, once I saw that it was an, a possibility and this particular place in Joshua tree is someplace that I had kept in my bookmarks, like the, the website, I'd kept it in my bookmarks forever and I would just visit it because there's vacation properties there. Mm -hmm. And it was like my happy place. So I would just like click on <laughs> yeah. this bookmark every once in a while and, and check it out and be like, gee, I'd sure like to stay there someday, you know. Um, and then one day I went to the website and there was a banner ad that said, you know, accepting applications for this residency. So it was sort of a little bit of serendipity perhaps. Yeah. And that and I'm like, oh, wow, this is I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I don't know how to write a proposal, but I'm going to write a proposal and I'm going to make my CV, my resume, my artist resume, and I'm going to get my letters of recommendation and all of that stuff. And I'm applying for this. We're doing this. So that's kind of how it started, but it is available for people. And, you know, for anybody who's listening now, there is a list of residencies and opportunities for artists, musicians, painters, photographers, whatever. Uh, the website's called callforentry.org or .com, but it's easy to find. Um, and you can go there and look at who's accepting applications. And this is for everything from, you know, doing an art mural in a city, you know, cities all across the country, or there are residencies all over the world um, that are accepting applications. And Super cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. I mean, you hear a lot of complaints. Uh, I don't know. I'm always on, like, mailing lists or something or you know briefs from ASCAP or whatever and mm. the death of the music industry and streaming services and no one's getting paid and so I, I think it's always really interesting when people are looking for other options mm -hmm. you know and taking their fate into their own hands and not mm -hmm. just sitting back and being like well the industry's gone so whatever yeah you know? <laughs> because even if you do make an album now you can get it streamed a million times not necessarily make whole lot of money yeah I mean, if, if you are getting a million spins you're probably getting licensed or something from other sources yeah which i also want to talk about but yeah but let's go back because let's i want hear to comment a bit. on that streaming stuff too uh, well go ahead i'll <laughs> let you do that now then. <laughs> okay i'm just gonna get this out of the way yeah, yeah it should be known that people are making money from streaming those people are owners of master recordings what happened in the streaming world was that there happened to be compulsory licenses associated right. with the catalogs of the PRS, ASCAP yeah. and BMI, not CSAC. 
Um, and so the law required them to license their entire catalog, basically as it would be for a performance. Um, and then on the other side, the people who own masters labels, particularly major labels with giant catalogs that are in that universal mm-hmm. jukebox that we were talking about, they negotiated fair market rates for their recordings. And those fair market rates included equity, upfront, equity like, say, in the streaming service itself, in the technology right. property itself, yep. um, upfront fees, and better rates. Better rates, yes. And we don't know what those rates are uh, because they're protected by non-disclosure agreements. I heard some were, like, leaked or something through some litigation. Sony's Sony. yeah. was leaked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically their position was that this isn't money that's owed to artists. It's not in your contract that you get any, you know, collective licensing, money from collective licensing like this. Right. If it's not directly attributed to your songs, your writing and your album, contracts will change based on that, of course. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think it's going to turn around. I mean, everybody's working on it in the publishing companies in that world. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, like, the Department of Justice is working on it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the propaganda and the public perception that, like, rich artists just want more money, it's a darn shame because it's really kind of about mid-level artists and growing baby artists like having the opportunity to make those pennies make those dollars like sell cds at their shows and out of their vans like the way they used to be able to do those that ten dollars a pop like really helps people and even if streaming was something like marginally better than it is or you know it can be a fair market rate that rate for publishers and songwriters has not been negotiated it never has and i hope that it will be i'd want to see the day that it is streaming's amazing for the consumer forget freemium everybody sign on like netflix you know i mean like if yeah. you don't have to pay yeah. for it in this day and age you don't and you won't and i'm and that's not exactly going away. the same it's yeah. not going to change yeah. yeah i mean i'm guilty of if i need to learn a song or something i'll go to youtube and you know Heck look yeah. it up or, or whatever yeah um it's real and it, yeah copyright it is really affecting the developing artists, you know, people who are trying to break out now, because I think, you know, Gene Simmons or something was saying that, well, it's not going to affect the legacy acts, because they already made all the records, and, you know, they're already out there, and they're getting mm-hmm. the regular mechanical royalties. It's the people yeah. who are trying to get established now, you know, release an independent album and try and make some money off it. Yeah. So, again, I think it just emphasizes the way in which artists need to be really creative and sort of yeah be a jack of all trades and not be just like well i'm gonna go in the studio and make my album and then when it comes out someone will pick it up like yeah that's not gonna happen you know yeah you better be out there on your social media and making your videos and you know and any kind of other like weird creative things you can you can think of yeah you know partnering up with people or whatever yeah yeah my last note on this subject is that so But artists, as an artist, when you make something, you are the owner of that copyright and it is yours to do what you want to do with it. You do not have to put everything on streaming services. You can totally create demand for your own product. You can advocate for that sort of things in your con, those sorts of things in your contracts. Mm -hmm. If and when you do get signed or get partners, you can tell them what's important to you. 
Um, my choice for streaming services was I created like a promo CD that had four songs on it, and that's what's streamable online. Oh, and interesting. And so, like, if you want the full record, you do iTunes and Amazon, or you can buy the vinyl um, through the Barfco Swill store, which right. is like a Zappa Records merchandise store. And that was my choice. That's just what I chose to do. I'm like, I want to just do the promo. I don't want to let it all out there. Um, so, and that feels good to me. Well, and so let's talk about your record. Yeah. You have uh, a record out, which is sort of a double EP, which is yeah. pretty fascinating on yeah. Zappa Records. Yeah. So you're on a label. I am on a label. <laughs> <You're> on... <laughs> talk about that. So you're, you know, you're an independent artist and, and you are on a label, yeah. a pretty illustrious label. Yes. What is that like? I mean, because just you're talking about your decision to stream it or not sounds mm -hmm. like the label not that hands-on with that maybe or how did it work well we are very close mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm close with the people who run the label um, our deal was mainly a manufacturing deal um, so we did it's a double EP it's called volume one and um, the first side of it is the EP tunnel vision and it's like blue-eyed soul but not traditional, kind of modern blue-eyed soul, yes. uh, electronic indie pop mm -hmm. type stuff. Really danceable, too. Yeah, Water. sort of danceable. Cool. And with um, interesting instrumentation. Uh, this side is like acoustic ukulele. Um, we have a trumpet, trombone, some cool like hip-hop style beats, mm -hmm. and um, keyboards. So that's cool. Like the instrumentation's interesting. Then the flip side is Murdergram Songs of the Misfits. It's dark cinematic rock and it's covers of Glenn Danzig's songs that he wrote for the Misfits. And that on its own is an interesting story as to how you ended up making the Murdergram yeah. EP. Yeah. So. It was a really good experience for me actually. I mean, we were just playing uh Misfits songs in my trio. It was like ukulele, upright bass and drums. And uh, a friend of mine, like, told the Misfits publishing administrators about it, and they approached me, and they were like, hey, do you want to record some songs? And I was like, yeah, I, I would like that. And I thought to myself, if I do this, it has to be really amazing. Like, I'm not – and I always feel like that. Like, I'm not going out like that. I, it's got to be great. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be great. Like, let's just let's go for it all for the sure. way. For sure. Yeah, so it was cool. I'm, I'm really proud of those recordings and – having kind of like line produced it myself and corralled the project and very happy with the, the fidelity, the sonic fidelity of it and the interpretations of the songs and the whole thing is super. Oh, and that's electric ukulele. That's solid body electric ukulele. So there's this weird like yes. dark light uke yep. going on. Yep. I feel like I'm kind of moving away from the ukulele, but it'll always be. I always be close in to your car. Yeah, in your car. Close to your car. <laughs> my core. core. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. In my car. Yeah, it'll always be in the it's car in case it. I need to whip it's it in out. Car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that on its own is one of those sort of like uh, who you know or being in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like randomly you're playing a Misfits cover and it happens to be that, you know, your friend knows the administrator of the publisher. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those kind of random things that. I feel like is part of a success story. Yeah. You know? It's like a little bit outside of your control. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, someone likes you and they tell someone else about you and, you know, that can be a connection. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. That's probably one of those little strokes of luck that pushes you to the next project and like yeah. moves you just to the next little hopscotch box. It makes you go, oh yeah, well, this is worth it then. You know, good thing I was playing that show or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a cool project, but you know, that was independently made. They didn't fund it. They right. asked me if I wanted to do it. And right. So they supported the idea of it. And um, so that that in itself was just the catalyst for me to make something cool. I mean, I would have done another project mm -hmm. if that hadn't happened. Like, you know, I would have finished recording some other songs or like recorded some other songs, but I did that. And it's a great thing because on the record now, I feel like I could do volume two in two completely new genres even from that. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's that's who I am too. So that's great. It's really great for me. <laughs> Not to have it just be like this is my mission statement of this <sighs> first album that I put out. I know, I know. It's just like no, it's open. But it, it just always feels like marketing people and like record company people are like, Well, this is kind of all over the map, you know. It's like they really want to have some sound that they can sell with a catchphrase or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. The, you know, she's St. Vincent meets Glenn Danzig or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I always have that problem. I write all kinds of really weird songs, and I'm I'm almost consciously trying to... Because I come from way more of, like, a punk and even in, like, industrial, like, F, you know, fuck the audience, like, whatever. We're mm -hmm. just going to make noise. I mean, that yeah, was sort yeah. of my background. And now it's... Now that I've been doing music a lot longer... And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to be doing this for a while. I, I'm almost consciously trying to think of ways to make it more commercial mm -hmm. to the limited extent I can. Uh, not that it's really working, but <laughs> like that's my next sort of evolution, you know, trying to, all right, well, you've done this, like, punk thing, like, F everyone, so, you know, how about you try a little harder? <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I feel the converse, actually, you know, having done the major label thing. Yes. I mean, I wanted, I think, more business to happen than did happen over the last, say, five years uh -huh. of, of making work. Um, and now, since that didn't happen, I'm like, well, I'm just going to make the coolest art that I can this yeah. next time. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to, like, take all the experience that I've had and see what I can make. And then, you know, if that sounds like the Julie Ruin at times, that's cool. That's fine with me. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be something else that's really smooth and and mm -hmm. and sounds more pop. But, yeah, I just want to try and make the best stuff I can make. Not that I was limiting myself or anything like that, but just, like, whatever. Well, let's, let's so see how deep we can get. Let's go backwards and talk about... Did you grow up in L.A.? Are you an L.A. gal? Yeah. Ah, okay. You come from a musical family. Yeah. Yes. Uh, did that influence you at all? Or were yeah. you always like, well, I'm just going to be in music? Or Well, it influenced me to the extent that I feel like music and the music business and being a musician as a vocation is intrinsic to me it's like natural to me it's like something that people do they work as musicians and they right. do that until they're 60 or 70 and I've seen it all around me and that's what all yeah. these other guys are doing and like that you know I, I saw a lot of men and women having real jobs in, in music and so that feels normal to me <laughs> well especially in LA I mean it because it is such an astat it's you know the entertainment capital of the world arguably and so that is really I can see that if you grow up here, it's like, well, sure, musician, yeah, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it can work against you too. And I'm also a Libra, so I like I'm on a no, both yeah. sides thing. Uh-huh. Um, but sometimes I'm like, gosh, you know, I'll see somebody who comes to town and I'm like, they have no other option. They are like they're they're crazy right now. They're going for it. They're gonna like sure. drill a hole in a concrete wall. They're nuts. And like not that I wanna be that person. I don't, but it's like, wow, that's that's admire the drive. Yeah, I admi- well, I mean I have the drive. I have drive, but like there's just a certain like I don't know, all or nothingness. Commitment. Like they got to go yeah. home if this doesn't work out. Right. Like, they're going home. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like this is like <laughs> if The Voice was on TV, like them being in LA is like their big ass version of The Voice, and like they right. they don't want to go home. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> but funny. I don't ever have. This is my home. Yeah. So like that's that's a benefit. I do. I get to stay here and feel comfortable and be around my friends and family and like continue to work on my art. So that's a blessing. You know? Yes, it's not like you come from some small town and like have to travel elsewhere to perform or yeah. whatever. And yeah, that's yeah. true. It's a much more... Two sides to the coin. It is. I was, it, yeah, our double-edged sword where, you know, there are also eight bazillion other people doing, you know, really super cool creative things. Mm-hmm. And so it's healthy competition, I would say. Yeah. Um, I always find it really inspiring because people here are very... Everyone is really dedicated and they're really into like, yeah, this is, you know, my job and I, and it's awesome, but I'm working at it as well. Yeah. But they're also really friendly about it, I find. It doesn't really ever seem to be a competitive thing. I don't yeah. know. I never get the feeling. I know what you mean. Maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> Depends. Different circles. Yes. Different circles. But, I mean, it's such a cool thing. I mean, even if you're interested or pursuing music, art whatever los angeles is a wonderful place to be yeah. there's always something going on the clubs are filled with very talented people yeah and yeah. you can just like go out and grab that and pick anything and yeah like win. catching a taxi in new york like you <laughs> just like walk into a club you're gonna catch something cool pretty much sure yeah if you catch a taxi in new york you might be catching herpes or something I? <laughs> I have, that's never happened to me but that sounds pretty horrific it's when you get out of the taxi that things are good i don't think anybody's a boyfriend or girlfriend would buy that no i got it in a taxi <laughs> no i don't know bad, bad example we'll, we'll edit that part out but um so did did you like going way back did you ever think oh this is what it means to be successful as a musician like when did you start playing music and thinking like oh yeah I'm gonna do this well I think in high school I had like grand designs I was like oh I'm gonna be Zach De La Rocha dude that's what I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that that's a pretty awesome aspiration (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm gonna be freaking PJ Harvey I'm gonna like go Mm -hmm. and rock out and I'm gonna sing hard I'm gonna be Mike Patton that's the kind of stuff I was into yeah yeah Primus and Mr. Bungle and Faith No More and stuff uh, L7, who I saw recently, oh, put awesome. on a wicked show. I so bet. good. So much fun. But yeah, because I started out as a singer. So I f- fancied myself a singer in my mind. Like, I, that's always kind of like what I would do, even prior to teenage years, I guess at slumber parties and stuff. Girls would ask me to, oh, you know, sing Sensitivity. Like, sing that Ralph Tresvant song so I can think about the guy I have a crush on. And That's hilarious. Because <laughs> they're always like, oh, and you have such a great voice. Yeah, like, sing that song. Yeah, sing that song. Sing Boys to Men for us so, like, we That's can just, like, cool. dream about these guys. And, like... <laughs> 
It's like, oh, okay. So I had a little bit of encouragement about my singing voice from oh, girlfriends great. then. Um, but I didn't really get serious about pursuing it because the same thing happened in college, like where friends were like, dude, I hear you singing in the shower. Like Mm -hmm. when you do the black crows, it's amazing. And like, we love it. Like, please sing for us. And so I was like, yeah, I've always liked to sing. I think I'm going to do this. And I moved home from college after my first year, um, and started to take private lessons in voice, uh, piano, and songwriting. Oh, great. And that's kind of how I started out. And then, um, like, I lived at my dad's house for a couple years then after I came home from college and had a job and stuff and was just learning how to be a musician, learning how to be a songwriter, learning how to be an artist and pursuing that. And were you writing your own songs the entire time? Or were you more like, well, I'm going to join a band and... And covers or yeah, that's all well, that. I was always interested in writing my own stuff, mm-hmm. and actually, even prior to being a, a singer or being interested in being a singer, I always wrote poetry. I always wrote. Oh, I didn't know that. I was a writer. Oh, great. Yeah, I think that you can see that and hear it, especially in work that's going to be recorded that I've been workshopping. I guess you can hear it in Tunnel Vision because the lyrics are sometimes like kind of complex and fun. Uh, but yeah, writing and poetry was my first thing. And I always wrote that typewriters in particular, I always liked typewriters and diaries and things. So, yeah. Did that, did you find it easy to sort of just make the transition into putting those lyrics to melodies or, or was that like a learning curve? I guess it's, I don't have any process that's like this is my foolproof process like i sit down and i'm like let's squeeze it out let's squeeze it out do this or like you know i'll be um reacting to something that i've heard Mm -hmm. or like reacting to a sound that i make in on the piano or reacting to a sound that's coming out of the guitar yeah feel like i write based on what i hear and i'm reminded of all the songs in my head all the listening that i've done and i like to write in those different genres you know if somebody brought a blink 182 style track to me mm-hmm. i'd be like yeah i can write I could do that power yeah. punk you know power pop punk stuff yeah i could do that or like if you want to bring something to me that's like a uh estero or a portis head i'm like okay let's write portis head you know and I, I, I react <laughs> a lot as a top liner and so yeah it's really amazing to have that flexibility, I think, and to be equally comfortable and sort of jumping around in genres. Because, yeah. for instance, I went, I was going through the Peak Show stuff, and oh. I think it was described, you know, it was like, oh, it's like trip hoppy. And so one of the songs, I'm like, oh, it's totally, this is like very trip hop. And then mm-hmm. you had that stupid little fellow mm-hmm. video, and I'm like, this is pretty much just like punk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, wow. And you're just bringing it. Yeah, we were like, multi-genre. I guess yeah. it's always been that way. Yeah, yeah, just all over the board. Yeah. I just thought that was hilarious because, again, it's it's really, um, I don't know. I don't know if you have bands like that that are really like that far apart on the spectrum where they can really do some melodic thing and then just like rock the fuck out Mm. like on something else Mm. it's and i don't know if that's purposely because people have a hard time like putting their or you know the consuming public has a hard time wrapping their brains around it or if it's just a lot of people can't do that (laughs) yeah you know i mean i really think that in art anything goes you know people can say 
that there are rules and there are certainly trends and there are things that are hot for one moment and, you know, then you get like a number of people pursuing that same uh, sound or style. Mm -hmm. Um, But really like what lights the world up is when somebody comes out with something that's new and interesting and unique to them. Yeah. So I I remind myself of that um, if I ever am like, you know, tempted to put something in a box. It's like, ah, just, you know, do what's right. Yeah. You know, our, our sensibilities are, are pop enough as they are. We've all heard it. We know what it sounds like. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the Peak Show, for those of you playing along at home, was kind of like my first major band project. And we had some success. And uh, we were interested in melting styles. And that band was happening at a time like kind of before No Doubt came out with Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. And I loved No Doubt, and, you know, I s- still do in a way. I don't listen to them the way that I did right, when I right. was growing up. But, um, you know, was like hip-hop, like the Neptunes, then, like, meeting some pop rock alternative stuff. We were interested in that kind of music, and that's, you know, and the Wu-Tang Clan. We're like, yeah, we like Wu-Tang Clan, mm-hmm. and we like Tricky. And, yeah, like, yeah. so let's just, like, put it all together. Like, But it wasn't that intentional, like, I have this master plan, and we're going to do this. And that's We're going to make a song that sounds like this? Yeah. <laughs> it like that. Yeah. yeah, we were just like, you know, you react to the... The stuff that that you have, the instruments you have, and the way the chemistry of the band is. And well, before so. the Peak Show, had you played around town or? Mm-mm. Oh, really? No. Wow. No, so that I was joined... your first band. Yeah. First band band. Pretty much. I mean, I did. I was in a band that was a rehearsal band. I mean, uh-huh. we didn't go out and play or anything. Right. But that could maybe be called one of my first bands, and it was Pet Genius, mm-hmm. and like it was that. very. Bungle, Patton, Primus. Oh, wow. Like, huh. Yeah. After I moved home from college, like after those couple of years of like singing or whatever and songwriting and learning piano and stuff, I started to audition for bands. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, from the music connection. There mm-hmm. was a time where there was a classified listing in the music yeah. connection before the Craigslist. <laughs> <what>? Paper? Yeah. <laughs> music connection still exists. It does. It really? does. Yeah. We get it at work. I still read it. And, it's pretty good, actually. Does the recycler still exist? I feel like there used to be musician ads in the recycler. There may have that, been, that and might have been I don't know if far. that exists. We'd have to walk into a Seven Eleven to yeah, get there and true. see if it's still there, like the Auto Trader or yes. whatever. Um, but yeah, I went out on a flurry of auditions for all kinds of different bands. What was that like for you? I mean, the audition. Like, what is the audition process like in LA? That's something I've never done. Well, it was pretty lowbrow. You know, like showing up to rehearsal spaces and there was basically like a room full of dudes with some songs and like we couldn't even really trade files at that time. Like you would just show up and the band would play and I would freestyle over their music. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And I kind of enjoyed, I don't know if I would like it that much anymore, but at the time I was probably like 20, 21 and like I'm like I'm the one you're looking for. Like <laughs> this is it. Like right here, you know. The whole package. Yeah, the whole package has arrived in your doorstep. Uh-huh. What up, you know? <laughs> so I liked that, and I liked the adrenaline, and that's the way I was feeling, at, mm-hmm. you know, at that time. And just like yeah, um, but and I did audition for a couple like prefab style, LA like looking to compile a girl group. Like we're looking for yeah. girls. And, yeah. 
I did a couple of those. It was cool. Is that weird? Um, no, I thought it was pretty great at the time because I was just pretty sassy. I think then I was <laughs> sassy pretty sassy, yeah. and like you know, just like thought I had it going on, and so it was like you know again like that's great. I'm here, like yeah. <laughs> the one you're looking for Your is dreams here. Are answered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it felt that way when I auditioned for the peak show, but then it's that thing, like when you go on a first date that's like works. Like yeah. so these other ones it's like, okay, well that person was cool, but I don't know if I want to see them again. And um, you're almost just more trying to impress them, but not that impressed by them. Yeah, and it's a yeah. two way street. Like I, I didn't necessarily wanna be in the corn like bands that I yeah. was like checking <laughs> out, you know? Or yeah. maybe I would have, like if the right chemistry was yeah, there the right or if people. it was like mm-hmm. exciting like the music was exciting enough I'm like this is awesome you yeah know? um but when i auditioned for the guys in the peak show i felt like it was the music that i wanted to make because they had like you know uh bernie warrell style synths going on and mm-hmm. like wee, wee, wee. And yeah. i'm like yeah that's like dr dre's the chronic but with these other like trip-hop elements combined and like a girl singer and yeah. like, you guys are making music i'm like that's that feels native to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to make too. Super comfortable. Yeah. 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 So we kind of we joined forces and and did that. That's awesome. And then yeah. So that like when the ninety eight or something. No. Yeah. 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 I was in that band from nineteen ninety eight ish, maybe even ninety seven, to like two thousand five, end of two thousand four, really. And did they already have songs together, and it, it was like really fast, like, okay, let's go record, or, mm-hmm. or was it a long process of experimentation yeah. and writing? They had some. They had like a couple songs, um, but some of them they didn't want to do, because they're like, oh, these are from other like workshop type mm-hmm, projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they had some songs that we could work on together and like get started with, and then we wrote songs together. And that's what our material was basically comprised of. But it was a cool thing, you know, where in joining that band, we all committed to, I think it was at least a weekly rehearsal. I think it was yeah. more often. Yeah. Um, and that's what we were there to do, was to make the work and uh, kind of created a studio space and we were making a demo and shopping the demo and we were all in on it. Yeah. 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 Was- There's power in that. For sure, especially if yeah. everyone's excited and everyone's doing something. Yeah. You know, everyone's like rowing in the same direction, as yeah. they say. Was that your first experience with writing with other people? Yes. And how did it come sort of easily or was it like weird at first? Yeah, I thought it, it came pretty easily because I do like to freestyle and mm-hmm. I will do that and I do like to react to the music that I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, so it came sort of easily easily although there's always like you know growing pains and they're like where you think it sucks in the middle of it like why are we continuing to work on this this sucks so bad get rid of that part can we just like not hang out right now like this sucks yeah yeah Yeah, let's go to the other song let's do something else um so we hit our challenges but i we were all like committed yeah yeah committed and on the same page about i guess what we were wanting to do and then how long from them until you got sort of labels sniffing around? Was it like a bunch, oh. like two years or, you know. Were, Let's see. Yeah. Did you tour? Did you put out records on, on your own? Or? We did. We made an album on our own. Um, and then we 
got involved with an attorney. We got an attorney involved with us, mm -hmm. really. Um, and she helped to shop this demo, uh, the album that we make. We call it a demo. It was called Demos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that helped. And then we played a couple showcases, mm. and we started to talk to labels, and we got some label interest. We met with Arista and um, Atlantic and uh, Capital. I think those were like the big three that we were talking to. And um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Did you develop any sort of like grassroots following or was it all mm -hmm. sort of at the same time? Yeah, we were developing a grassroots following because we were playing out mm -hmm. and we were based in Highland Park at that time. And um, the community there was very supportive of our music. Um, not to be... Uh, it's just true. Like the Latino community and the Chicano community there really embraced us. And uh, we were having good shows filled with people. Mm -hmm. And we also started throwing shows and parties like at our studio space. Oh, yeah. Where we were all living. I don't know if I would be up for this sort of thing now. I no, mean, it was sure. just like full immersion, just jumping in with a bunch of men who I met. Uh, in the music connection, you yeah. know, like, that's pretty, that's, that's intense. Oh, so you'd moved in with them. We all moved in together. Oh, I see. Yeah. That is full immersion. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was no full holds barred. on. I was yeah. like, you know, I am the mama of this tribe. We're doing this. Uh -huh. like, this is a lifestyle experience. Come to our home. I was booking other bands to play and like, you know, charging $5 at the door. So we had money to pay the other bands and so to pay ourselves. Like and a warehouse space or something? Or just, yeah, sort of yeah, a warehouse yeah, space. Yeah, okay. Big, it wasn't a loft space. It was, yeah, it was sort of a warehouse yeah. space. Um, just like the top floor of a building. Yeah. Basically. Um, yeah, so that also gained us a following because people wanted to come to these parties and it was a thing and it was fun. Yeah. And there were other artists. We would show artists in the house you know, so like people would come and hang the art and uh -huh. we had food. I would go to Costco and like get mad food. I'm like, yeah, I can spend $300 at Costco because you know, everybody can eat and we can serve drinks and we'll have friends over and we have a roof and we could have hundreds of people in there. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember also, my parents coming and saying, like, you know, you could get super busted for this, right? And we never did. Like, and no, that was cool. I, no, he I was right. Care. No, I yeah. knew it. I knew it. I knew they were right. Like, there was people, you know, even before the medical marijuana legalization in California, like, just giant joints on their ears. It was, yeah. a, it was an underground party. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think also that's part of being in a band when you're young and you're that age anyway, and everything is sort of part of a social yeah, event, you know, and it's just, yeah, of course I'm gonna have a party here and with bands and you know everyone's gonna come and a bunch yeah. of people I don't know are gonna show up. And, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, I live here, so yeah, you know, so <laughs> some people like pass out on the couch. What you know? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. As you know, as you get older, it's like yeah, I don't know if I could totally get down with that anymore. <laughs> there must be another way to make it. <laughs> it would, yeah, it would be like a. Like, I could do that. Like, in my mm -hmm. fantasy, like, if I think about it right now, I'm like, yeah, I could do that. But that would mean rejecting other things at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. At that time, it felt like embracing the world that sure. you want to be in. And then I think now that would feel like embracing this world I want to be in at the expense of this other world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of other things that you have sort of worked on creating. 
Yeah. Know, which are like equally yeah. valuable. Back to the <laughs> like success thing. Yeah. 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 Well, there's got to be a balance. I mean, that's something, you know, I guess maybe goes without saying, but, or maybe not. That, that's probably something that could be talked about as well, because a lot of people, the excesses in the music industry in particular, I feel like, but maybe in other art, art areas as well, you know, people, the drugs, uh, people, you know, really going off the deep end into dark places and not coming back again, mm. you know? So I think that, uh, the balance is definitely something that should not be forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> of keeping the sanity there and, you know, the stability. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as, you know, if you don't die before you get old, then you're like, okay, well now <laughs> I need a house to live in or, you know, something. Yeah. I can't just be sleeping on the floor all the time. Yeah. Yeah, like that sort of thing, which is kind of like fun and punk rock when you're mm -hmm. maybe in your late teens or early 20s or whatever, like could be demoralizing. As you grow to be an adult, you're like, crap, man, what am I doing? But that's not artistic success, and that's not what right. we're after. Right. Like, so you evolve. One evolves. I would say that I have evolved from there. I wasn't like couch surfing at that time, but like that wouldn't – I'm pursuing something different at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, so what happened – so how long was it before you sort of just got signed? I think in 2001, we put out the – we got signed and we were signed for like three or four years. Okay. Yeah. And did you make a new album with them? We did. Yeah, so we got signed to Atlantic Records um, and we got a great package, like an artist package. And we did. We made a record for them and with them. Uh, we sat around. We had time to write. So we were meant to write as much as we could. Mm -hmm. And then we turned in a CD of those demos that were meant to be, like, uh, workshopped, worked, uh, fleshed out, lushed out. Um, and we picked the best of those songs and did that. And then, like... We worked with the producer Mario Caldado Jr., Mario C., well-known for his work and shout-outs from the Beastie Boys. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is awesome. So totally. I am a huge Beastie Boys fan and always was. Uh, and we mixed the record with Serban Genia, who was working with the Neptunes. He's a multi-Grammy-winning mixer. It was awesome. Uh, so we got to work with nice people. I mean, that's one of the cool things about working with a major label. I remember being at a lunch, and they're like, who do you want to produce your record? And I was like, Mario C., dude. Like, <laughs> so and they're I, like, okay. They're like, let's call fine. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, Great. Like, you guys are going to pay for that? Great. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I, yeah, my friend, I was talking to him. I mean, so many people sort of had that. And I don't know if it was just the time or – or this always happened where so many people were sort of getting snapped up and getting, you know, the money thrown at the record and then, you know, not having the follow through by the label that really seemed to be justified by all the money that they put into it. Yeah. Um, but before I get into that, I mean, once you, when you got signed, were you like, well, now we've made it. Or, or was so the, the definition of success totally <laughs> shifts, right? Okay. Yeah. That was a pretty wonderful night for mm -hmm. me. For me, uh, yeah, I was really happy at that time. That was my definition of success. That step of success was totally meaningful and felt like okay, yes, 
Like we're on the path, we're on the road, you know, to... It's only a matter of time. That's just what I wanted at this time, you know, uh, just like, you know, MTV and Mm -hmm. touring and the whole thing. I wanted the whole thing. That was that, that time's dream. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was, I felt like that was a huge success and uh, I didn't have to work a regular job at that time. Uh, I was like the accountant of the band and I gave everybody a monthly allowance because we wanted the money to last Mm -hmm. for a long time. And we were pretty serious about what we wanted. Yeah, we kept a a bank account and we gave an allowance to everybody. Uh, But uh, even after we were done with the record, like with producing the record, we weren't done. So we said to the label, like, this isn't finished. And, you know, we'd really like it if we could set up a home studio with this equipment and we want to overdub and we want to add mm, stuff. Wow. And we did. And like Even after the fancy guys had worked mm-hmm. on it? Oh. Well, not the mixing hadn't been done, but okay. yes, like one fancy process was done. And <laughs> the initial fancy. And I was like, no, like I just, you know, I need more background vocals mm-hmm. here and like I need more like like weird stuff and we want to add stuff and yeah. make it take it to the next weirdo level like we have stuff to sauce to put on this uh-huh so we did and like uh, the label was into that they're like cool yeah i mean yeah they they allowed it they allowed it to happen and um yeah because the one of our integral band members was a great producer himself uh-huh and it's really his stamp that you hear on so much uh, okay. of that record interesting yeah and he worked really really hard on it and um it's a lot of his creativity in the the sounds and colors mm, sounds familiar record. like with our record <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> well what so then what happened you 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 know you your dreams have come true you're signed to atlantic you're making this album, you're sort of, seems like you're given pretty good artistic freedom. Um, yeah. Awesome. Things are yeah. amazing. It's hard to talk about it because, like, I think that I feel like I blame us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to make you go there then, Holland. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm not, I could manage my... <laughs> But, uh, you know, there were internal struggles in the band that I think affected our internal relationships and affected our relationship with the label as well. And um, we took quite a long time to make the record, like a couple years. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of the reasons that I think we did well with music licensing because, you know, they had a great department that did music licensing. I've right. been told recently, I stay in touch with those people that, you know, now longtime friends, uh-huh. uh, that that would never happen, that there wouldn't be music licenses for new bands because they don't give them to the licensing the par- department. They don't give the albums to the licensing department for fear of leaks. Uh, oh, really? So that's another time and space luck right, right. thing like you were talking about. Where at that time, like, you know, they were starting to set up the record. And so we did. We had multiple licenses to TV and film, which were great. Like, you know, uh, Ice Age and movie and uh, CSI and uh, on and on. And the deal that you had with the the record company or or the publishing company was good enough that that you actually got something substantial from the licensing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, Yeah, and it was... We owned our own publishing and still do. Okay. Uh, 
as individuals, as individual writers. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a publishing company, a collective publishing okay. company, okay. or individual publishing companies at that time. But um, it was a great thing to happen. It certainly sparked my in interest in publishing, which I continue to mm -hmm. immerse myself in today, um, to have that success and to see where the money was coming from. But yeah, upfront, there were upfront fees. Great, yeah. great. And even like, and that continued until after the band was broken up. And we still get licenses today, believe it or not. That's something I really want to talk about is licensing, because I, I think, to me, licensing is like magic. Because it's, mm -hmm. you can, you know, if you get your song placed somewhere, it like just keeps making money. You don't do anything. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you recorded it 10 years ago and somehow you keep getting royalties from it. Yeah. If you make the right deal. The, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, some licensing, you know, you just get a little bit because it's playing yeah. on cable or whatever. Yeah. And then other, you know, you get in a feature movie or you get in a primetime TV show. That's probably where like the real money is. Yeah. But do you think children family features family features are the best because ah. that's what they broadcast that's true just like all the time and to family everyone features all over the world yeah yeah well do you think what do you see is like the importance of licensing as far as quote success it, for music at least well especially in this day in well there's a lot of talk about that i mean it's one of the remaining significant income streams mm -hmm. for recorded music right now so there's a, a lot of saturation in the market but the money is still there you know there's competition for licensing i don't know really i mean the best you can do is sign up with a company who's pitching songs yeah a, and a good company that's yeah. pitching songs and let them do their job for you Right. You know, I, somebody, I can't remember who it is. Like, it was maybe Duke Ellington who said something like, well, I make the music. Yeah. Like, we have a deal because that's your job. Like, right. to do that. Or like right. what you were saying earlier, like, oh, the marketing. And like, it was relating to that. I think it was Duke Ellington, maybe. Um, that, you know, it's like, I make the music. You guys figure out how to package it. Yeah, you you got to sell sure. it. I signed this deal with you for you to sell it. So. Well, I guess that's the reason why I like the idea of licensing. It seems to be the one remaining thing where you just give them the music and then they go out and try and make money with it. Yes. Of course, they're getting compensated, you yes. know, so they have a motivation. But yeah. it's kind of more of the old school way where, well, I made the music, now you do something. <laughs> yeah. And it seems to still work, at least for now. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe it will get to be too competitive. I mean, there's already so much out there, but... yeah. I mean, I can still get things placed here and there without me really doing anything and, mm. you know, somehow get checks for it, which is kind of awesome, mm -hmm. um, I think, because at least, not that it's validating to be getting paid for it when that's the reason, but at least it does seem like that's a viable financial, you know, avenue, at least. So at the end of the day, even though I'm losing money making the album or whatever, you know, I'll be getting $100 from it down the road. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat gratifying. <laughs> I think it's a great thing, uh, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to chase it. I don't mm -hmm. like to chase that business, um, but it's cool. You can see in general, like what people are looking for and use that as a writing exercise to like make your own thing or make your own music. Uh, I get listings 
requests. Like, oh, hey, yeah. submit this for looking this, for this usage. Kind of, yeah, looking yeah, for this yeah. kind of thing. And that can be informative. You can, like, kind of collectively put that all together and be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize, like, you know, youthful celebratory electronic dance. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. And you don't have to, like, sell yourself out to do that, but you can write in that direction if you want to or write in a score direction. I don't know. Honestly, like, since my time at Atlantic, I haven't had much licensing success. Mm -hmm. So I'd like it if, you know, somebody tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was hoping for it, but it didn't happen this time around. That's the advantage of having a diverse catalog, I think, because you can submit to more things. And there's a whole world, actually, of people who only write for licensing. I mean, they really just set themselves up as, you know, writing 30-second things or whatever for songs. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I couldn't ever do that. That's sort of odd, I think. But there seems to be a really sort of viable marketplace for that kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah. If and you really want to dedicate yourself to it. Totally. And people do it. Um, I went to this thing called the Taxi Road Rally. Oh, yes. On our friend and bandmate Brett, Brett Anderson's yeah. mm-hmm. suggestion and invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard people speak who were like that. Men, well, these guys were men, and... Um, they had other jobs, and they would come home at night and like look at what Taxi was looking for. Taxi's a, a licensing company. They service music to people who are looking for music for TV and film, for those of you who don't know. But yeah, they, these fellows would go home at night and like write something specifically for the request. Mm-hmm. And it was generally, like they were talking about interstitials and bits yeah. of music. You know, that were just kind of background, not even whole songs or Mm -hmm. anything, and that they were doing okay with that and, uh, you know, making the royalties and the more little bit placements that they were getting, like, the more the bonus was, you know, that more was adding to their yearly income. But I don't know. I mean, and that's great. That's totally cool. I kind of feel similarly to you in that I kind of want to make my art yeah, well, yeah. And, like, that's what it's about for me. Like, I don't really, like, I'll go to another job. Because at this point right now, I found that I think I need to be working for somebody else at least three times a week. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. if that's somebody else is, like, taxi or is it, mm-hmm. like, you know, is it rolling joints at a dispensary? Is it, like, going to administrate? I don't do that stuff anymore, but it's something. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I have to do this. But then, or, like, singing background vocals for other people. Yeah. I found myself in times of, like, not being employed, working on other people's music. And mm-hmm. then I'd be burnt when it came time to do oh, my own oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, ah, I'm going to do this other stuff that's in the music business. I mm-hmm. work for, a, you know, I work for an artist's estate and uh, administer these things. And then I can just be totally focused on what it is that I want to do and I don't have to that's all I have to do yeah although like I met a composer last night talking to two sides of the coin I was like you know maybe I made a mistake like I should have maybe just like grinded it out like as a, a musician or a singer or something like that so that like I was doing that full time like did I take the easy way out like you know yeah, I can yeah. re- rationalize it either way but there, I think, really is something to be said for just completely committing yourself to it and mm-hmm. just not even thinking about any yeah, other options. But I think you have to really come from some unique circumstances for that to happen. You have to have, I think, you have to have some 
substantial success early on, or at least have it like sort of incrementally growing. Yeah. And you also have to have kind of an environment in which you can do it. Uh, either your family is supportive of it or you just, you, you know, you turn your back on your family or whatever and just completely commit yourself to it. Mm. Um, cause I always think that too. I'm like, well, you know, I should have kept doing it. But the reason why I sort of got out of music for a while is because it was, I had been doing it and doing it and I'm like, well, this isn't really going anywhere. And I started feeling pressure that was probably completely external to be like, well, you need to get a job and, you know, do something real. So I really, mm. I feel like I succumbed to that as like a kind of weakness. But on the other hand, I didn't at that time have any sort of other option. It wasn't like the music was like going pretty well and, you know, we were touring or anything like that. So I feel like if there had been more on that end, you know, maybe I would have kept going in that direction. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe I just didn't do it enough then. Yeah. So, and then when I got back into it, it seemed like, oh, well now it, it was oddly like more viable when I got back into it than it was when I started. Mm -hmm. uh, it was backwards. Everything I do is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird. I certainly have seen and, and know people who have had great success and like kept doing it, you know, say from teenagehood into late twenties into thirties and then say like those, that, that success starts to dry up and starts to stop mm -hmm. and there can be panic at that time. Like, uh, well, yeah. what now? You yeah. know, oh, I definitely what know now this yeah. is done. Like, so it's interesting. There's a, in a way, sometimes I can just be like really thankful for the lack of total and complete success that I've had because I remain hungry and then I remain, I guess, sort of discerning about yeah. what I want to do. Um, so. Well, there's also a sort of a contingent of people who have been through the major label Ringer and been so, and this includes, you know, well, like, famous established names who, who really just get so sick of it that they quit yeah. music entirely. You know, they just can't do it. And then later on, they'll get back into music for the reason that they did it to begin with, is that they really, they love doing it. Yeah. You know, and they'll do it as a, quote, hobby, or they'll, they'll continue to release albums on their own or something like that. I mean, I think that's a really sort of standard story that you hear as well with a lot of working artists mm -hmm. you know sort of trying to walk away from it and then getting sucked back in <laughs> but on their own terms yeah that time around well music is so fun and you know another success is that in general it's just participatory mm -hmm. you know you guys you know musicians you speak a language together if yeah people sit down to play together it can be successful just to come up with a cool jam. Absolutely. Or just yeah. to, like, entertain a tiny room at a party. Uh-huh. You know, if you guys start to sing and dance and then somebody else random walks in and starts to sing along and then pretty soon people are yo-ho-hoing everywhere. <laughs> and, like, that can feel pretty great. Like, that's a success in itself is to be able to play along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what – so did you ever have a point where – I don't know, after the Atlantic thing where you're like, wow, this was a mistake. I should have done something else. Or or was it more like, okay, well, that's behind me, but, you know, I have so many other ideas. Let's keep rocking. Well, I did keep rocking, and um, I, had, I think I had a little bit of my tail between my legs when the band broke up. I was bummed that we got dropped. I really was. 
and um, it wasn't the outcome that I wanted. And I didn't want the record to be shelved. I wanted mm -hmm. the record to freaking come out, you know. Uh, but it didn't. And so this is silly, but I was just like, I'm going to get out of town. And I think <laughs> yeah. probably like the most glamorous thing I can do while I figure out what the heck I'm going to do next is I'm just going to move to New York. And everybody can just say, like, it's totally just, like, internal talk. That's right. Man, she, well, well, she, she moved to New York. She moved to New York. That's it. That's how I'm going to fix it. That's right. Right now, I'm going to fix it today. <laughs> and then I could just, like, go and, like, be freaked out out there. <laughs> right. Which was a hilarious thing to do because I was tired after the whole experience sure. of making the record and being in the band. And I was like, I'm going to just go figure it out in like the busiest city in the yeah, world then, where I'm going to have to bust my butt. In an even more competitive market. Yes, in a more competitive market. <laughs> For sure. So that was a, a nice rude awakening, but totally awesome yeah. in the way that I had to to hustle pretty mm -hmm. hard and had to work hard after being like a lazy signed rocker for like four or five years. Yeah. And not having 20s. seasons either. Yeah. Yeah. Just chilling. <laughs> and in New York, everything is just like incrementally harder because it's oh weather and you got to take the subway there and, you know, carry everything oh, on your back. Oh, people are and... slipping in the streets. Yeah. They're falling. Yeah. You know, umbrellas are going inside out. It's crazy. It's good for you. Yeah. yeah. It's good Toughens for you. you yeah. Get out there. Show you Keep what you're walking. Really made of. Keep yeah. walking. Yeah. Get your backpack on. <laughs> Cutie pie. <laughs> you know, did you do go. musicals out there or here or how's your musical theater? Oh, I, yeah, I did some musical theater here in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, one thing. Speaking of other options, because again, you're you know you've done so many different things. What Scooby Doo and Looney Tunes? Yeah. How did that happen? That's amazing so too. So cool. Those are really really fun jobs. I would love to do more stuff like that. I really like to entertain kids and mm -hmm. young people and families, and I, I I love just kind of like opening up your heart to the world of mm -hmm. like you know impressionable people and families and goodness and youth. Um, but these calls just come every so often, you know. Um, and this, you have an agent, or you're just listed as? I guess people just called when they knew me. Oh yeah. Yeah. So gosh, if there are those sorts of things, I mean, I don't. There aren't agents for singers okay. like that. Mm. Uh, it's not a thing. It's freelance, uh, pretty much. So the Scooby Doo thing came through a friend, and um, that was a great job. I got my SAG card through that. That happened like a while back. And the Looney Tunes Yellow Bird song came from a friend at Warner Brothers who uh, knew me. And luckily, it's like you do have to be ready like when yeah. that call comes. Mm -hmm. I had been kind of like working on my game, and I had a vocal reel, you know, that I made. Oh, okay. Because I had been taking classes on how to use Logic, mm -hmm. you know, and I'd been going to SAG-AFTRA to sight singing classes. Like, oh, all right. Interested in doing studio singing, interested in reading and uh, singing back music and working that skill and those muscles. And then you kind of are around people and they're like, oh, yeah, there's this thing. It's a vocal reel. This is mm -hmm. what they, <laughs> they sound like. This is what it's like. And I was like, okay, well. Luckily, I had enough material. I had had I had a lot of material to put on this reel, having been in the peak show and um, with the licenses and stuff. Uh, so I created this reel in Logic and uh, being independent again. People will do stuff for you, and you find partners, and there's collaboration. But at the same time, it's very much a self 
self-propelled yeah. thing. Big I time. mean, I made my own website because uh-huh. I, I can't pay somebody to Word. make my website. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of love it too because I like to be in control of it. Yeah, it gives you more power um, over your own sort of brand and yeah. content and, yeah. and really everything else, the way you present yourself to people. Yeah. Um, and how you monetize your work. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, no, it's hollandgreco.com slash vocal reel. Like, mm-hmm. that's what's up. That's where my thing is. I have uh, my thing, my vocal reel is. It's on SoundCloud. We'll do a picture there. Let's just like list some credits. And then, you know, so getting back to this call, like I got a call from Warner Brothers about the Looney Tunes thing. And they're like, they're looking for a singer. Like, I'm thinking you might be good for it. Like, what should I send them? Like, send them this URL. I just happened to yeah. have the vocal reel That's it. So, yeah. And the URL. And it was up. And yep. it's like, just click on this and press play. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think that that helped me to get the job. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. People want it to be easy. They want you to make their jobs easier. Mm-hmm. If there's any hint of, like, a problem, it's like, ah, move on. You know? Yeah. That's- yeah. And I thought I did a good job with that. And I yeah. did. And I, you know, we got... Little royalty checks for it. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice Speaking of family union friendly. job. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so, is it already written when you go in and you're just singing over it, or are you there with the band? Yes. So, in the case of Yellow Bird, there's a composer, um, Andy Sturmer, mm-hmm. who was in the Jellyfish, uh, and he wrote this. No, did he write Yellow Bird? I'm not sure. In any event. I don't know. I don't think. I think this one's a cover, actually. But oh, okay. He, he produced it. Okay. Um, and so I went to his studio, ready, to record, and uh, they sent me a demo, okay, in got advance. It. So I was ready. And when what I mean by ready is like I knew the main lead vocal. Mm-hmm. I knew all the harmonies. I knew like backup shout outs. I knew all the stops, and I had it written out on a, a lyric sheet. And like I remember at the end where they thought it was wrapped and I was like I think you want this other thing too like I heard a little of this in the demo and so we did that so they had scratch vocals on it or something mm-hmm. yeah they had scratch vocals on it it's yeah. so funny because it's like a calypso kind of Caribbean yeah yeah thing I know it's funny but again that's when your versatility really you know comes in yeah it's like yeah I can do that and whatever else you want me to do totally you know? what else you got yeah. Sometimes I'll go and do sessions and there's not a scratch vocal. Like you just walk in and you learn it on the spot. It could be just like even like a MIDI uh, keyboard like the of the melody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Performance of the melody. And that's cool too. So do you get a lot of calls for that? Um, some, and do they end up getting used or they don't, or you don't know, or, or how does it work? Do they? Yeah. I would love to get more calls for that. So mm-hmm. for sure, that's so anyone such listening, a fun, anyone listening, that's so much fun. Yeah. Go to hollandgreco.com. Totally up for it. And, uh, I'll do you right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your dream. <laughs> your prayers are answered. Let's do this. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Occasional, occasional calls come in and Go ahead and do it. But, like, in the commercial world, I've done way more demos than things that have gotten picked up. But that's, Mm -hmm. like, a really – it's a competitive market where multiple commercial houses can be submitting music for one client. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I always want to, like, be at the table where these things get decided. It's like, 
what do they think and oh, yeah. what are they talking about? And yeah. it com- you know, because you just, you don't know. It can yeah. be completely random. They're like, that snare sounds great. I like that snare sound. Yeah. And you're like, that's why it got picked up. You know, who knows? Yeah. Or, or like it's four seconds longer than the other one and they need that or I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but. I saw a commercial the other day that I had done a demo for and it was a different singer but I don't know if it was another, because like the composers call the singers to come uh-huh. in and demo. Um, and uh, I don't know if it was with the same composer that I worked with or if it was another composer who was also submitting right, for this submitting. job. And was this woman's voice. Yeah, but it was a jingle. Yeah, it yeah, was okay. a, just like, you know, for this particular yeah. product and this advertisement. Um, and this woman's voice was definitely different than mine. It wasn't like she was Christina Aguilera at all. You know, I mean, she wasn't like some, oh, wow, okay, she's wow. Uh-huh. And I, I, wow, I didn't make the, it wasn't like that. It was just different. Yeah. And uh, so you, you just don't know, like you're saying. You no, don't know why. just a matter of taste or like yeah. what they think goes with the product or uh, God only knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Just keep showing up. Totally. Just keep showing up. Well, what uh, words of advice do you have out there for the listeners in podcast land who might be starting out in, in some artistic pursuit or, or maybe, you know, they're in the middle of it and they're, they're having a moment of crisis? Oh, my gosh. Words of advice. Yeah. Give us some therapy, Hong. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody should call me and give me some therapy. <laughs> um, this, it's so funny because there's no rhyme or reason to it. Don't you always feel like you see bands and you're like, wow, like they're out there doing it. Like, yeah. why not us? Like, mm-hmm. what happened there? How did that happen? And mm, You know, I think you got to just make the best work possible. You got to do your best. Yeah. And somebody said to me, not said to me recently, maybe I overheard it, like, um, you want to do your best on every project. And I recently, like, I'd done a couple projects that I was like, oh, okay. Like, you just don't know where it's going to go. And yeah. so you should really, yeah. like, treat everything the same, you know. And if you're not going to commit to it fully, then you really need to rethink why you're doing it, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, even if you're doing something like, oh, okay, I'm going to say yes to that request like mm-hmm. maybe this person is just like would you write a song for me and like there's no money or whatever and you're like oh i'll just do that for the exercise which yeah. is cool and but at the same time if anything does come of it you're going to be kind of horrified if it's not like the absolutely best that you think you could do well you never know if that person who's asking you for that song will later prove to be some crucial connection that you know yeah, gets you knows? to someone else or yeah yeah yeah. But, you know, like, you can't really live your your world, like, based on, like, gee, that person might become really important. No, someday. no, of course not. It just <laughs> yeah. goes into the, if you're going to bother doing it, you should do it yes. well. Yeah, know? I think that's a good, a good thing to say, you know. And um, words of advice for people, I don't know, try and keep it together and keep your discipline together. Um, be good to yourself. Keep your body healthy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do your best. That's it. I mean, what are you gonna say? I think all my secrets, my real secrets, are totally expensive. So you. No. Okay, that's right. (laughs) If you want to get in touch with Holly Greco for career advice, (laughs) send her an email. Can be reached for counseling. Um, That could be your new creative option for supporting your music. 
<laughs> but you know what is another yeah oh my god <laughs> but you know it's another cool thing i really do like going out and continuing my education so mm-hmm. and i've met a lot of people that way a lot of cool upstanding people who are interested in working at art like having a a commercial aspect to their work their art or having like a really excellent aspect to their work people who are serious yeah, yeah. and um, and I like to meet these people in classes and not in a bar it's not loud we're not drinking and uh, it's cool just to like have it be focused on productive yeah it's about being yeah yeah being like there to they're learn there and be productive to yeah. be productive and to be learning and we are there to do that and so like recently I just finished last night a series uh that I was a part of, and it was a songwriting workshop, and we did 10 workshops, small group of like, say, you know, like eight to 10 people. Mm-hmm. We each would bring in a new piece every week and kind of critique each other and listen. Yeah. And you just meet nice people, and like, you get to also not just meet them, but they're hearing you and you're hearing them, and you yeah. get to like kind of draw from their, the mm-hmm. things they're good at, and be like, ooh, I'm inspired by that. That's cool. Yeah. You're working as colleagues, really. I mean, you're you're doing you're in the same field. It's like, well, of course, you know, I I really should be interacting with them because, you know, we're pursuing the same kind of thing. Yeah. And you can always learn something from almost anyone that you play with or get together to write with. Uh I just find that it's always, you know, eye-opening of wow, that, you know, made me do something new or they totally brought some perspective that I would have never thought before. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's like a lyric or some music I wrote or something that I'm singing, someone else will hear something in it that I would have never thought of like in a million years. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, yeah, do that. And then like, just do this harmony. And I'll be like, I can't do that. And I'll be like, sure, sure you can. You know, it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be a perpetual student. Yeah. But yeah. when a red light comes on, you're a pro. That's yes. it. Yeah. The red light is the recording light. That's not, right. Not the stoplight. No, no, not the stoplight. Yeah, good point. Yeah, when when it's time to record, when it's time to perform, be a pro. Because yeah. I have gotten really into learning recently. And if you start to go out and like... So the contrast is, like, say when I was showing up for those auditions, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm the shit. And yeah, I'm just like, going to freestyle over I'm going to freak you out right now with yeah. this awesomeness that I have. So, like, there's that. <laughs> like, that's, for me, that was, like, part of my greenness. And it was part of the the goodness of my greenness. And it's, like, yeah, that and was strength pure at that heart, time. too. Yeah. yeah. So pure, like, this, I'm doing this. We're doing this. You mm-hmm. ready? Like, I have all this energy. And then, like, as I started to move forward and meet other people, I was like, ooh, like, all y'all got some cool stuff, too. So cool. Oh, my God. Whoa, that's so cool. What? You went to the Manhattan School of Music? You went to Juilliard? You went to USC? That's crazy, dude. You put... How'd you do that? Like, how you owe all those songs just after? Yeah. So, like, you start to develop your own skill set and your repertoire uh-huh. even more beyond that, like... Uh, strike of lightning charisma thing that gets you going yeah so yeah. like you want to like continue your education and then also retain the, the feeling of of confidence you have to maintain the confidence but you can't have you can't always have the overconfidence <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't think that helps oh, yeah, no it's inappropriate it would be very inappropriate I mean, it, yeah, it becomes inappropriate. Yeah but I it mean, also can be a strength when you need it it can be a strength like, when you need it yeah. yeah for sure but I know as 
especially I think you get to the point where you really realize your own limitations and how like you really didn't know anything, even though you thought you did. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're really like, wow, okay. Yeah. So much more to learn. I better go back to school. Yeah, totally. Or things shift, you know, uh, like in those early days with the peak show, I was very much wanting to like blow the hair back on the audience that mm-hmm. I was in front of just wanting to like blow them away yeah. and like be in their face and be huge and larger than life. And like now some concepts that are appealing to me are like, I heard Fiona Apple talking on the Mark Marin podcast <laughs> and she was saying like, I really think it's my job to ignore the audience that's what our relationship is, is that they're coming to observe me in this altered state, in this like transcendent musical state. She didn't use those exact words, but I liked it that she's like, no, I, my job is to ignore them and to be in my own world. And I'm like, Because she is her brand, you know, she sort of developed that as, you know, from the get-go, really. Yes. But, I mean, I didn't want it to be, like, a weird, like... Like, nobody would notice it, say, if you were doing this. But, like, now I'm interested in it because I, I want to enter that altered world. Mm-hmm. Like, that private mm-hmm. world, like, where I go, where I have sung my best, where I've had my best practices, where the things that have nobody has heard, that have been only in front of the mirror. And if oh, I, I see. give yeah. that to the audience... Yep. I think it's going to be something that they want. Well, you can give sometimes a pure and more intense performance yeah. if you're not specifically trying to like just blow them away. Right. Like you I know? kind of want to like have it pulsate yeah. a little closer to my chest mm-hmm. than to be a, a gust of wind. Well, it could depend on the song too. Yeah. I mean. it, yes, it could depend. It totally depends on the song too. Yeah. Like in work sucks. Like it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be like that. Some but. songs they're they're just going to be a blast at the audience no matter what. Yeah. That's what they come for. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> there is that. It's all different things. So many different things. You know. To, I know. To get into, focus on. I know. It's great. Add into your recipe. Keep learning. Keep doing and creating. Yeah. I think that's also the keys. You know. No matter how frustrated you feel, you know, you could walk away for a while and do something else, you know, explore writing or, or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, don't let a, cause I think there, it can be really frustrating sometimes, especially if it's like a repeated frustration where you, you, you're trying to do something and you think you're like, well, this has all the ingredients of success and I just don't understand why it's not working. It's like, well, just, you know, let it be for a little bit and let it sit there and go tend to some other flowers or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Plant some other seeds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping like my definition of success right now, what I'm really hoping for is after this writing period, after I kind of have like written a new collection of songs that I feel really excited about and on the way there, I really would just like to play. And um, I want to be I do want, would like some partners because I think it's important to have that success going. Okay, but success is the thing we're trying to define. Yeah, I think that that there's like f- financial compensation is a part of success mm-hmm. for me. Support yeah. and opportunity to monetize my art to make another one, like we were saying. Like the opportunity to like get in that little jet stream 
not to be Beyonce, not to be Zach De La Rocha now, but to be working as an artist who gets to do her own thing would be really cool. And like the music business is one thing, but you know, the world is filled with artists of yeah. other mediums yep. that are doing their art mm-hmm. and there are patrons in the world and there are, you know, other sources of funding in the world that can allow you to continue to do what you want to do. But I would like for people to hear the music and respond to it. And yeah, I still would like to travel cause I haven't done that yet mm-hmm. and go and, and play shows and, you know, be supported in that venture. Yeah, cool. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of that, too, is that my definition of success would really just to be, well, I want to do music and be able to support myself. I don't have to be rich at all. I just want to not have to divert my time into things that are just making money for the sake of making money and, mm-hmm. you know, really detracting from my ability to practice and and write and, you know, perform and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not huge lofty goals. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's funny, too, because at the same time, like, after saying that, I'm like, well, you know, if a lot of work started to come in. Well, sure. Like, you know, the Scooby-Doo's or the Mm -hmm. Looney Tunes of the world, if I was doing work like that more often and that was, like, I could write my tunes and play whenever I wanted. And yeah. No, I, I <laughs> sort I still of, already do. So it's, I mean, it's interesting. But I sort of encompass that in, you know, doing music for a living is doing something in that musical realm, whether it ends up being like licensing work or, yeah. you know, performances or a band thing where I'm selling songs or, yeah. you know, stuff within maybe even broaden it to be like the realm of entertainment, which yeah. is the stuff that I love to do as opposed to being diverted into, well, I have to go spend my time doing this other thing that has yeah. nothing to do with that whatsoever. Yeah. You know, just sort of being able to live a more holistic life in your, you know, musical self. Yeah. Maybe we're also chasing that feeling of creation the feeling when you've created... The God feeling? Yeah, well, sure, sure. Like a spiritual feeling, mm. a sp- creation feeling. Uh, it feels amazing, like when you have something new that you're like, wow, that exists now. Yeah, definitely. And now when I play it, I I feel like I have something to offer. Uh-huh. And like, I'd really like to play this for you. This is special to me. This is important. Like, hear this. Yeah. That is a great feeling and also successful. I I have feelings of success when that's the case, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And that, you know, gets back to me to be the main point of what an artist does is creating something because not everyone does that, you know? Yeah. Making something brand new that might bring some happiness to people and that they might want to hear or look at or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's sort of why we're doing it. Anything that happens after that should just be gravy but it's not because you, you still have to make a living. Yeah. And you do have to because you can have that really pure moment, especially if you write a song and it just comes to you and it works out. And you're like, wow, that, how'd that happen? That really is like a spiritual moment. And then as soon as you're done with that, you're like, oh, well, how am I going to record that and pay for the studio time? And then who's going to release? You know, you immediately sort of get out of it and then you're into the business world again. Yeah. And I almost want to not ever do that again and just create it and you know have it there and just be done with it and sometimes that's performance Mm -hmm. you know a live performance you're really like creating something 
it's there for the people now and it's going to be gone once they leave. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's, you know, the pure form of creation too. Yeah. And that bubble that Fiona mentioned, Fiona mm-hmm. Apple mentioned, like, the, like, oh, welcome to my creation. Yeah. Like, look into this window. Yes. Another ways to Stare approach it. Stare into my candle. Stare into my candle. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think that's a cool way to be in yeah. front of an audience, yeah. you know? Yeah. I have to think about that. Then. Yeah. Stare into my candle. I'm always worried about, like, tripping over my guitar cable or something. That's a good name for, <laughs> like, an EP. Yes. Stare into my candle. All right, Holland, we've taken up enough of your time. A good pickup line. I'm going to offer that up to the people out there. Come back and stare into my candle. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How do you feel when you stare into my candle? (laughs) These flames in my eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you feeling warm? (laughs) Yeah, you're feeling warm. You're getting lost. Next to my flame. Next to my flame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Holland. My pleasure. It's been super interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. Deep and philosophical, which is what I like to get into. Cool. Yay. Everyone go check out everything Holland has ever done. I got podcasted. Yeah. Boom. done been podcasted (laughs) Ah, and there you have it another victim podcasted (laughs) all right well for the outro of the show this week we are appropriately going to be listening to some holland greco this is off her new album which is called volume one the song is called 100 proof it's on uh, it's available through zappa records on itunes amazon on vinyl with the download and at the Barfco Swill store. So thank you very much, Holland. Here is 100 Proof, and I'll see you all later. Resistance will soon be overcome I'm only saying a magnet and
gravity I put out a force too strong You'll be rich and generous when it comes to words of love And I can never hold back my loquacity and never could bite my tongue Whoa, I'm sprung on you, yeah What's it gonna do? First you like the oven, then you let it cool Oh, I'm sprung on you Oh, I'm strong on you 